to the news on RTHK. Good morning. Welcome to Money for Nothing. I'm Chris Oliver along with Mike Weeks. Brian Curtis is away on holiday and we'll be back next week. Asian shares look set to open higher this morning after U.S. stocks rebound overnight. Coca-Cola earnings get a rise from mainland sales. And Alibaba provides a fill-up for struggling tech company Yahoo. In our featured segments this morning, we'll look at the dangers of buying into this rebound in emerging markets with Uwe Parpart of the Reorient Group. We'll also check in on trading strategy with Graham Bibby of Richmond Asset Management. Plus, we'll talk about the recent drop in the shares of NQ Mobile. That's a U.S.-listed China company. And we'll look ahead to Thursday's U.S. listing debut of microblogging service Weibo. Joining us for that discussion is Paul Gillis, a tax expert and professor at at the Guanghua School of Management, Peking University. But first to the markets, and shares in Japan have opened 1% higher. That after U.S. stocks finished higher on solid earnings from Coca-Cola and Johnson & Johnson. That more than offset a sell-off in the tech sector that pushed the Nasdaq down almost 2% at one point during the session. Robert Schiller, chief economist at Macro Markets, says it's currently difficult to predict the market outlook. There's a lot of people trying to forecast the craziness. That's part of the job of being an analyst. And people are doing that job. So the market has kind of discounted into it optimal expectations of future craziness. But the craziness doesn't go away from that. It still remains. The Dow ended 89 points up at 16,262. The S&P 500 also jumped well over half a percent to 1842, while the Nasdaq gained 0.3% to finish at 4,034. In this part of the world, the Nikkei at the moment up 140 points at 14,137. Australian shares barely higher. The ASX 200 almost unchanged at 5,380, while shares in Seoul are down two points at 19. 90. China demand helped underpin better-than-expected quarterly revenue from Coca-Cola, with mainland sales more than offsetting a drop in Europe and flat demand in North America. The beverage giant said global case volumes rose 2% in the quarter, while those in China jumped 12% due to increased marketing around the Lunar New Year. Coke's revenue fell 4% to 10.5 billion US dollars slightly better than 10.55 billion that analysts had expected. Alibaba provided a fill-up for struggling tech company Yahoo, which barely managed to expand its core advertising business in the first quarter. Yahoo investors were buoyed by strong results from the Chinese e-commerce company, in which Yahoo owns a 24% stake. Alibaba's revenue increased 66% to 3.06 billion US dollars. But Yahoo also said Alibaba, which is valued at more than 140 billion US dollars, is expected to go public later this year in the US in the largest IPO since Facebook's debut in 2012. Microblogging group Twitter has bought social data provider GNIP for an undisclosed price to provide improved data analytics to business customers. Founded in 2008, GNIP has a four-year-old partnership with Twitter and helps companies analyze data across every public tweet. Uh, GNIP also has partnerships with other social media companies such as Tumblr, WordPress, Foursquare, Discuss, Intense debates, stock twits, and another called Get Glue. 
Just finally, to the currencies at the moment, the euro trading at one US dollar thirty-eight point one cents. The dollar buys one hundred and one point nine yen. The pound this morning at twelve Hong Kong dollars ninety-six point eight cents. The mainland's version of Twitter, Sinoapo, is set to go public in the U.S. after three weeks of sell-offs that have taken their toll on technology stocks. The microblogging subsidiary of China internet group Sina is scheduled to debut on Nasdaq Exchange on Thursday in an initial public offering that is expected to raise $340 million U.S. dollars. Sinoapo was launched in 2009 to provide services akin to Twitter, which is banned on the mainland. Joining us on the program this morning is Uwe Parpart of the Reorient Group. Uh, we want to say good morning to Uwe. Yeah, good morning, Chris. How are you? Very well. What do you make of the markets of late, Uwe? <laughs> what do I make of the markets? Uh, well, pretty much the same thing I guess everybody else is uh, making of it. It's, um, it, it's a sell-off that uh, has been uh, long been in waiting, and, uh, uh, and it's what we're getting. Uh, the reason for it is very, very simple. Uh, the... Uh, market cap in the United States in particular relative to uh, uh, GDP is uh, become totally overextended. Uh, to give you the simple number there, uh, the ratio of market cap to GDP in the U.S. in 2010 was uh, 70%. Now it's 145%. So you have 145% of extended valuations sitting on a real economy that's not moving. And sooner or later, that gap has to close either for the GDP to see massive increases, which nobody expects. We expect 1% for the first quarter in the U.S., or else the market has to readjust uh, to, to the re- economic reality. Here in Asia, we've seen a return of fund flows. Uh, that's helped to push up stocks and uh, debt uh, priced by companies. Uh, what do you make of that? You know, I, I noticed in, in a note you mentioned you're worried about the carry trade reversing. Yeah, well, uh, look, I mean, uh, when, when, you, when you have a, a major sell-off in the United States, obviously, uh, you know, people are going into cash or into bonds uh, or into something else, and the something else, at least to some extent, uh, has been emerging markets. Uh, so all of a sudden, uh, money that had flowed out of Brazil, out of India, out of Turkey, uh, you know, etc., uh, actually started uh, flowing back in there. Uh, that does not make the least bit of sense to me. Uh, it's not as though all of a sudden uh, the situation in Turkey politically or economically has improved. It's not as though the current account deficits in these countries, whether it's Brazil or or Turkey or India, have improved. Uh, it's just that uh, people rediscovered uh, the, uh, the the carry trade for lack of anything else. It's, it's uh, the absolute hunt for yield here, and it's going to end up just as badly as it did before. But your firm has been generally upbeat on China. How, how does this concern over the emerging market reversal weigh on your China view? Uh, it doesn't particularly weigh on our China view. Uh, China is, uh, from a capital market standpoint, uh, for the time being at least, uh, still uh, pretty well insulated uh, because of the uh, uh, capital controls. Uh, there will be a change, obviously, uh, sometime in the uh, next six months when the uh, so-called uh, through train of stocks, uh, when uh, the Shanghai and Hong Kong markets uh, get linked, uh, you know, actually creates a situation of 
uh, more capital flow uh, across borders. Uh, but for the time being, I'm just looking at uh, primarily the, uh, the Chinese uh, credit numbers, and I'm looking at the overall uh, reforms that have been put in place, and I'm looking at those stocks in China uh, that are expected to benefit from this. And, yeah, I have the China data on lending that was released yesterday. Uh, new loans in March were about 1.05 uh, trillion won compared to 645 billion won in February. Uh, really astonishing numbers by some measure. Do you not worry at all that lending is a bit out of control in China? No, I'm not, uh, because if you look at these numbers, uh, the, the mix uh, rather than the headline numbers uh, are important. Uh, what you see is that the uh, most egregiously problematical sector in China, the uh, shadow banking system sector, uh, saw very, very substantial uh, reductions uh, in, uh, in credit flow, uh, whereas on the other hand, uh, the uh, inflows into the, uh, uh, into the bond market and the uh, overall new yuan loans, as you mentioned, uh, actually uh, made a very substantial recovery, uh, not just from uh, uh, from February, but uh, actually, you know, year on year. So uh, that that's an encouraging sign. It means, you know, if money flows into into corporate bonds, if uh, if credit uh, is flowing into the non-shadow banking system side of things, uh, that's going to move real things in the real economy. So, no, I'm, I'm worried about it. No, I think this is a very good result we had yesterday. So what would you be doing or advising your clients to do with your cash at the moment? Well, uh, again, I, I think uh, it's, it's problematic at this point to uh, get involved in, uh, in, in, in stock transactions uh, pretty much anywhere because, uh, you know, the actual uh, sell-off that uh, we've seen uh, you know started in, uh, in in march is in all likelihood going to continue uh, we will uh, not going to get any uh, significantly better u.s economic numbers in the near future so uh, right now i would actually be in cash and in uh, which is the equivalent really of of, of short-term uh, uh, short maturity bonds and uh, would wait for the uh, uh, buying opportunities to emerge in the stock market. I think the sell-off is not over, so I would stay at the moment largely at the sidelines. In China, I would get involved in uh, in the uh, in consumer and services-related uh, uh, stocks, which will benefit from the overall reform process. So get out while there's time. I, I see your note said... Uh... <laughs> Yeah, I think at the moment uh, that is exactly what I would do. I mean, why people would have bought biotech stocks with a you know uh, price-earnings ratio of uh, 200 or 300 is beyond me to begin with. Uh, uh, the uh, the biotech sector in the U.S. Uh, is you know uh, peaked in uh, on February 25. Uh, so it's down by more than 20%. We're in a bear market when it comes to these kind of stocks. And these bear markets don't just go away because somebody wishes them to go away. They will go away when these extended valuations uh, have actually been uh, knocked out of the system. Our, our next guest is going to talk a bit about the momentum trade in the U.S. and how that's uh, uh, dissipated somewhat. But I just want to put the question to you before we let you go. Yeah. Obviously, we've seen a large fall in some of these high flyers in the U.S. That's the techs and the biotechs. And uh, is that 
a major break in your view, or is it just a little unwinding of excess heat? No, it's not just a little unwinding. I think there will be more unwinding because, uh, you know, it, it, it's amazing to me that a, that a very solid company that makes real things, that uh, produces stuff that uh, has uh, reduced its uh, debt burden and has done very well, like uh, General Electric, uh, the stock is essentially flat, uh, whereas, uh, you know, these uh, social media stocks that and so on that... that produce little that's tangible and, uh, you know, actually uh, uh, transfer, you know, uh, the, the savings of the middle class to a bunch of uh, people hanging around in Silicon Valley and having a good time, uh, that, you know, these valuations have to come back. And, uh, you know, so if I, I would wait uh, for the time being uh, for these uh, momentum stocks, primarily in the uh, tech, social media and biotech sector, uh, to be uh, knocked back to where they belong. And uh, at that point, you can then start thinking about uh, serious companies, as I said, like, uh, for example, General Electric. All right. Thank you for joining us this morning, Uwe. That's yeah. Uwe Parpart, Managing Director and Head of Research at the Reorient Group. Joining us now in our Admiralty studio is Graham Bibby of, uh, of uh, Richmond Asset Management, uh, good morning, Graham. I can see you on my monitor there. Good morning to you. So where is the momentum now? You, you probably heard me just mention to Uwe that uh, it seems to be nowhere or going nowhere at least. Yeah, I have to say that um, I, I always enjoy your program and uh, I've certainly enjoyed listening to your uh, previous two uh, commentators. Uh, the, f- the first one mentioning the craziness of the market which is why I you know, primarily focus on uh, charts and trend analysis. Um, it's quite appropriate to be on the program now because I'm just going through in-depth research and, and on my notes here, I've actually got nine different uh, areas I could talk about. Um, but in the US, um, you know, we, one of the services that we run is highlighting undervalued uh, stocks with superior earnings growth. Um, but th- those have all been in uh, downtrends. And to talk about the severity of the sell-off, uh, some of my favorites in that area, which was like Jazz Pharmaceutical, uh, is actually 40% down from the high, even though we seem to be at a possible support level at the moment um, with a number of those stocks up a few percent last night. But in that service, we're actually 95% in cash because I do follow those trends. So in, in my report that will be going out um, early next week, um, I cover nine areas. So I'm covering those trend analysis, the, the chart trends of the U.S. I'm then focusing on Asia because another one of my services is looking at ETFs, and I've been bullish on Asia and emerging markets since uh, February. I'm also taking a look at Spain and also those social media stocks that uh, previous commentator mentioned that have been in a huge uh, correction mode, if you like, um, down 30 to 40% over the last few months. And then the interesting sectors like energy and the commodity uh, index um, all look quite interesting. So, And then gold and silver, because everyone seems to be interested in that. So I can talk about any of those subjects on your program. But if anybody wants to get a copy of that report, uh, they could go through you. And if you send it on, I'll, I'll um, gladly give them a free copy of that report. Or they can just email me at CEO at richmondhk.com, because I can't talk about all this today. So you, which, which areas would you like me to start on? Yeah, you, you, you <laughs> mentioned uh, that you were bullish on airline stocks in the yes. U.S. and another a car rental company. Yes. I'm just curious, when this big washout has happened over the past week, 
Where did you dump those stocks? Did they break through your? Yeah, your we've stock been out also? of those stocks. I think from memory, about three or four weeks uh, now. Because again, uh, right now it's, it's, it's ironic because in my watch list, this is stocks that fit superior earnings growth, but they've got cheap discounted PE ratios. I'm finding more and more stocks, but they're not in uptrends because everything seems to be uh, correcting. So even though I might love stocks <laughs> uh, of all various ilks. Um, the the major thing to me is market action and if the trend is down we're out and if the trend is up we'll be back in so um i think maybe we've got still got delta airlines i'm not quite sure but uh, the rest of them did reverse those trends so we're out and we're waiting for an opportunity to go back in so what does this feel like to you what kind of a market does this feel like is it you know 2007 2008 or well, you know, if we if because the leading mover of markets now is obviously the U.S. and the S and P uh, has been holding up there. The Dow Jones has been holding up there. The leader on the way down at the moment is the Nasdaq. Um, it was flirting with four thousand five hundred. It broke through support four two five zero, and as you'll know, last night it it dipped below the four thousand very important support level, but managed to crawl back above it at four zero three four. So. Uh, it, it's not all doom and gloom. There was a correction due, um, but again, I would be very, very cautious at this moment. I still think emerging markets look okay, although the ones that I picked in February, Indonesia, Philippines and Thailand, seem to be a bit toppy. Uh, Singapore, Taiwan and even Hong Kong had a good run, but they need to turn up from, from here. So. Um, again, a lot of things your previous commentator said I would agree with. This is not a time to be uh, aggressive or daring. Just while I've got you there in the studio, uh, I, want to, I want to just tap your brain a little bit here. Just walk us through uh, what Brian Curtis refers to as trading school. So we have uh, you know, Tencent uh, it reached a high of 650. It's now down to 516. Now, is that you see that breaking a trend, or is that a good entry point, or how, how should investors have a look at this? <laughs> well, again, you know that's why it'd be good if anybody wanted to get the report, they could get it because a chart puts in picture form. It's not actually a price point no. or, or a number of price movements, um, but anything from TripAdvisor to Twitter to LinkedIn, uh, which were all on a tear, have been correcting, and they're still in negative uh, trends. The only real positive trend I see at the moment is the breakout in the CRB index, the Commodity Research Bureau index, and. That's quite interesting because um, earlier on, um, you know, we, we saw results from BHP, which which blew away forecasts, um, and that's an area that's underowned at the moment. Um, beginning of the year, again, I, I was talking about gold and silver, uh, which appeared to be in a new bull trend, but that's reversed at the moment. So again, it's it's a time. Patience is the virtue in this in this business, and at the moment, we prefer to sit on the sidelines. The stocks that we know are undervalued are getting more undervalued, and there's just opportunities for the future. All right. Well, thank you very much for joining us, uh, I think, on your final morning in Hong Kong before the Easter holiday. That's uh, Graham Bibby of uh, Richmond Asset Management. Uh, we're going to go to Weibo now. As we told you earlier, China's version of Twitter is set to debut its listing on U.S. markets tomorrow. And we're now joined by Paul Gillis, a tax expert and professor at Guanghua School of Management, Peking University. Paul, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Um, we were just talking there, uh, we just heard Graham Bibby talking about uh, social media stocks being down around 40% recently. So is this a good time for Sino Weibo uh, to be launching its IPO? I can't imagine it's the worst <laughs> time to, uh, to be testing the markets. 
Good, good morning, Paul. I, I, I know that uh, there's been a little bit of uh, broker analysis on, on uh, uh, Weibo just before this IPO. Uh, the monthly users are estimated uh, in March at $149 million. That sounds like a reasonable-sized company to me. Do you not expect that to garner a lot of attention when it debuts? I think it was. I think it got a lot of attention. I think perhaps it's uh, it's coming to market a bit late. You know the uh, uh, you know when Twitter uh, uh, Twitter came out, and uh, I think Weibo probably should have followed that uh, shortly thereafter. You know, I think a lot of the uh, the analysts looking at it are concerned that the company doesn't really have any any meaningful revenue um, at yet. Um, the reasons for the IPO seem to be a little uncertain. You know, the, the company, Sina, doesn't really need the cash. Uh, the, uh, uh, the company is not profitable and it doesn't really have any revenue. Uh, it seems like it's mostly a means to, uh, to help the insiders uh, cash out. But that does sound like most tech stock IPOs that I know of. Well, that, there's some truth to that. Especially the China companies, a lot of them don't really need the cash. They're they're making money uh, um, and uh, designed really to find a way for the uh, for the insiders to cash out. Uh, but this one, I think, is is hitting the market also at a time when uh, when when I think people are quite concerned about IPOs. And you uh, know, a lot of the deals in the U.S. last week uh, didn't go. Um, I uh, I think uh, Cena is really facing some headwinds here. So what are the implications if this IPO fails to impress? Well, you know, we've had a, we've had a really slow period for IPOs of uh, Chinese companies in the U.S. Uh, last few years. And that window has really reopened uh, last December, and we've seen a number of companies list. Uh, recently, the IPOs have not been particularly successful. Um, if, the, uh, if the Weibo deal um, either does not go or goes poorly, uh, it could close that IPO window for companies, and uh, that uh, uh, that could disappoint many investors, uh, particularly private equity and uh, venture capital investors in uh, in Chinese companies that are hoping to do an IPO in the U.S. Uh, because it may uh, it may close that window uh, for some time. Uh, before companies are able to come to market. Yeah, I note here that there's a Chinese company that listed last week. Uh, I believe it's uh, IT Education Center Operator Tarina International. Uh, yeah. It was one of the first Chinese IPOs uh, in 2004. No, so just correcting myself there. The company's stock has fallen 17% since its IPO uh, which actually, in fact, did take place last week. So, yeah, there's obviously a little bit of shaky nerves out there when it comes to some of these China IPOs. Yes, yes. I, I think, uh, you know, it's a dangerous uh, uh, market right now, and uh, I, uh, I think everyone's watching this, uh, uh, this Weibo uh, offering to see how it does. And it really, that'll influence, uh, you know, what kind of headwinds Alibaba is going to be looking at as they, they try to come to market later this year. So I, I know you've also been watching this other story of late called, uh, the company is called NQ Mobile. I believe there was supposed to be a tax, uh, uh, well, can you just fill us up on that story? I know that they were to re-release their uh, company accounting uh, documents by the end of uh, April. Where do we, and that was also a target of short selling by Muddy Waters. What, what's going on there? Yeah, Muddy Waters uh, attacked uh, NQ Mobile uh, late last year. Um, alleging that the entire company was a fraud, um, as uh, as often happens in these situations, the 
the stock fell quite sharply. Uh, a company uh, launched an investigation, uh, hired a law firm and an accounting firm to come in and do a, do a special investigation, and that's been going on now for some months. Um, the, uh, the stock recovered uh, part of the way um, back, and uh, I think everyone was optimistic that things were working out. Uh, then they were about a month late on their, uh, on their annual earnings release. Um, they finally did that last week, and when they did it, uh, it was kind of a mixed bag. They, uh, they announced their revenue was up, but that they had, uh, uh, their losses were greater than what were expected. The, uh, and there was an accounting problem. Uh, they'd made a mistake in one of the earlier quarters. Uh, but then they also said, uh, we, uh, haven't finished the, inter- the investigation and we haven't finished the audit yet and we'll, uh, uh, we'll get that out, uh, in the next couple of weeks. Uh, because the uh, results are all due to be filed with the uh, with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission on April 30th, uh, market didn't take that very well. The stock uh, uh, dropped very sharply uh, over the last uh, uh, the last few days, and uh, you know I think uh, people are looking for uh, uh, for any kind of problems uh, right now with Chinese companies, and they're uh, uh, they're very concerned, and so. Since this was not an all clear sign the company was able to give, uh, the uh, the market's punishing them very badly. So once again, that was a Chinese mobile service provider, and some of this obscurity about earnings is it is there a sense there that you can trust the numbers that Chinese companies are releasing? Well, that's what I think uh, everyone's concerned with. I mean, Chinese accounting has had a a very bad reputation. Uh, because of the large number of scandals and frauds that we've seen uh, over the last few years. And so if there's, there's any kind of sign of, uh, of problems with the accounting, uh, the, uh, the investors run for the exits. And, uh, and that's what's happened here. Speaking of uh, exits, uh, I, I know that there's a, a bit of a surge of, uh, of uh, Chinese investment f- uh, heading into U.S. real estate. Uh, just very quickly, uh, the numbers I have in front of me, uh, we're at from sixty uh, from sixty nine million in two thousand and eight to last year sixteen billion. So uh, is China actually leaking investment? Just very quickly, Paul. Yeah, Chinese love uh, U.S. houses. I mean, U.S. houses are cheap. Uh, the uh, rental returns are, are are very attractive on these, and you know, Chinese love real estate to begin with, and U.S. real estate is cheap. And so we've had a, a lot of money, obviously, that has left China um, and gone to invest in U.S. real estate. All right. Sorry to cut you off on that point, but uh, just wanted to sneak it in. That's Paul Gillis, a tax expert and professor at the Guanhua School of Management, Peking University. Just before we go, a quick check of the markets. Nikkei, the Asian stocks now moving higher. The Nikkei up 1.1%. Australian shares up a third of a percent. And even Seoul's now up a tenth of a percent. And uh, now on to the news with uh, Samantha Butler. A district councillor says there may be a judicial review of the government's decision to expand Hong Kong's three landfills should the plan go ahead. The Legislative Council's Public Works Subcommittee is meeting today to discuss the government's $20 billion proposal, which includes building an incinerator. Outside LegCo, groups opposed to the plan are staging a protest. Saikung District Councillor Christine Fong told RTHK she expected around 100 people to turn up. She also said she wasn't optimistic that a vote would go in their favour. 
Right now, the residents are quite upset because even what we keep saying and propose to the government sounds like they really just want to ignore our voice and just want to proceed the situation. So uh, if they have any action to have the whole thing uh, go through, then some of the residents may consider to go to JR the government for the decision. The United States says Ukraine's military action against pro-Russian separatists in the east of the country is warranted. Radio Australia's Jane Cowan reports. The Ukrainian government launched what it called an anti-terrorist operation to retake buildings seized by pro-Russian militants in the country's east, declaring Ukrainian forces had regained control of a small military airfield. The White House Press Secretary Jay Carney says the Ukrainian government has a responsibility to provide law and order and has shown great restraint. Ukraine has for days now been offering amnesty, trying to resolve these conflicts peacefully. As the UN Chief Ban Ki-moon expresses alarm. The Russian Prime Minister Dmitry Medvedev says Ukraine is on the brink of civil war.